celebrating as sixth day of Hanukkah. And uh, yesterday we covered, really covered days three through five in our dialogue uh, because we weren't uh, on uh, during the weekend to do so. And so we we, uh, covered days three through five yesterday, and hopefully that was beneficial to you, helpful to you. And uh, today, now we will jump into day six and consider uh, some of what we would be reading uh, or praying on day six, but also maybe talk a little bit today about some of the festivities that take place at uh, Hanukkah, uh, some of what they do. I mean, for us as Christians, uh, if you think about it, unless you celebrate Advent and the, the, the weeks of Advent and the readings of Advent, and if you only celebrate Christmas, <clears throat> think about what we've done. We try to squeeze Christmas down into a few hours on a day and call it good because we just can't take it. However, uh, if you're practicing Advent as a Christian, then you are considering you know several weeks, faith, hope, love, 
peace, faith, hope, and love, or peace, joy, peace, faith, and hope there. I, I finally got the words uh, that uh, are often reflected through Advent readings and the like, and they're helpful, a helpful rhythm. Uh, and yet, as I was commenting, so oftentimes what we see is that we're uh, we're kind of all wrapped up in doing, uh, you know, let's, let's get this couple hours over with so we can get back to normalcy or get back to work or get back to yada, 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 whatever yada, yada, yada might be for you and uh, get back into the rhythm of life. And, but, you know, then we miss out. We miss out on all that, uh, all that we could be celebrating and thinking about. And so at least, you know, Advent you have as Christian uh, Messianic Jew, Jewish people, Jewish people only have to be Messianic, but Jewish people, both of those who are spiritually serious and those who are not, will celebrate Hanukkah and do many of the things. Some you can see a definitive Jewish, uh, not Jewish, a spiritual connection in their practice of Hanukkah, and for others it is just. Uh, it, it is humanized uh, so much so, and God is taken out of the equation because they don't want to deal with Yahweh. Uh, they don't want to deal with Hashem. Hashem is a way of saying uh, uh, saying God. That is how Jews often will talk about Hashem and as God. And uh, uh, some Jews, they don't even want to talk about God. We'll talk about humanity and goodness and gifts and fun and really secularized uh, Hanukkah. Uh, in that way. Now, let me get into some of the readings that we would be looking at uh, at Hanukkah on this sixth night of Hanukkah. You know, this particular night, we would focus on how God used the Maccabees to take back the temple for himself, the temple being a place where God dwelt and where the Israelites drew near to his presence. We also know about the story that when there was not enough oil to keep the menorah lit, he provided enough oil. God provided, Hashem provided it through a miracle. When one day's oil burned eight days and enabled Israel to once again come into his presence, God made the way. And just to think about that phrase, God made the way, and God will make the way for you when there seems to be no way. And God can specialize in that. He wants us to walk with him. Uh, through his promised Messiah, Yeshua, the light of the world, God provided the way for each of us to draw near to himself in fellowship and forgiveness. While we were inadequate, while we were still sinners, Yeshua died for us, Romans 5.8. God provides for us daily as well. He meets our needs, fills us with his love and nurtures and matures us into the likeness of his son. He equips us with everything required to enjoy his presence and live honoring lives before him. He gives us all that we need. We just need to uh, embrace it and run to it. So on this sixth night of Hanukkah, we reflect on God's deep love that compelled him to provide the way for us to be with him. The deep love that compelled him to provide the way of the cross that would bring us near to Jesus. So the Messianic Jewish, and there's difference between the Jewish and the Messianic Jewish blessings, namely that we talk about Hashem uh, and about Yahshua as the Messiah. Uh, Non-Messianic Jews uh, 
would never talk about that because for them, Messiah has not yet come in their minds. And we know the prayer, blessed are you, Lord, our God, King of the universe, who has sanctified us with your commandments and has given us Yeshua, the Messiah, the light of the world. Blessed are you, Lord, our God, King of the universe, who has performed miracles for our ancestors in those days at this time. And we know we would then take the Shamash candle, the center candle, uh, and light candles uh, from the right toward the left. Uh, return the Shamash to its place and light the candles uh, and let them go out on their own. Some of the scripture readings that would be included uh, would be from places like uh, Romans 8.32. And let me put Romans 8.32 up so you can see it. Romans chapter 8 and verse 32. <clears throat> Here is a phenomenal verse for you. Saying this, that since he did not spare his son, in fact, let me start at verse 31. What shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can never be against us? Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? Freely give us all things together with Jesus. Let me put that into the NIV 84. And uh, because that is the, the, the one that I am most familiar with. But shall we say that in response to all this, if God is for us, who can be against us? We praise God for that verse. It says, he did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things to think of what he is giving to us? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies was it that condemns Christ Jesus who died more than that who was raised to life is at the right hand of God and also interceding for us all that Christ has done verse 35 who shall separate us from the love of Christ shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword as it is written for your sake we face death all day long considered as sheep to be slaughtered but no in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us for I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. I mean, this, this section of Romans chapter 8 is such an incredibly wonderful section of Scripture, so encouraging to us. And uh, it, it is part, verse 32 uh, is a part of of that reading. Also, Philippians 4.19, thinking of God's provision for us. Philippians 4, verse 19. Let me get that up there for you so you can see it. I'm trying to do it so you don't have to watch the screen move. And here it is. My God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. To God our Father, to our God and Father, be glory forever and ever. Amen. To call God Father. We've talked about this before. Uh, 
But verse 19, my God will meet all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. I want to put that verse in context. Often this verse is not placed in its context. He talks about in verse 13, I can do everything through him who gives me strength. And he says, yet it was good for you to share in my str- in my troubles. I mean, yes, while it may be true that God will take care of us and give us strength, it is a good thing for us as well to bear one of those burdens. Moreover, as you uh, Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me the matter of giving and receiving, except only you. Uh, for even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid again and again when I was in need. Not that I'm looking for a gift, but I'm looking for, but I am looking for what may be credited to your account. I have received full payment and even more. I am amply supplied now that I've received from Paphroditus the gifts you sent. They are a fragrant offering and acceptable sacrifice pleasing to God. And my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father, be glory forever and ever. Amen. So, God will meet your needs. But the context of this was that they were sacrificing for the expanse of the gospel. That is the context in which this verse 19 is put. I, my God will meet all your needs. It's put in the context that they were they were being generous. And, and I believe God rewards generosity. Uh, he, he rewards generosity in, in in the local church, he rewards generosity for Christian ministries and for missionaries. Uh, he rewards uh, generosity to food programs. He re- rewards generosity uh, to people who serve you, like a, a server at a restaurant or a, someone in a hotel. Or the other night, I had to stop and get gas, and I was at the Dice Arts, the big Dice Arts, and of course, there at that particular one, and I really needed gas. Uh, that uh, that night, the uh, the attendant filled up my tank, and and you know, I spotted him some extra money. Uh, don't have to do that, but I tipped him. He looked at me with almost tears in his eyes, you know. And um, God will reward generosity. You reap what you sow. If you show, sow generosity, then God will. Make sure that generosity happens to you as well. So, but thinking about my God will meet all your needs. Think of how he met the needs for the Jewish people in allowing the oil to burn for as long as it did. Hmm. Makes me wonder, should I cancel my fuel oil delivery for this week? Hmm. And trust God. That's a thought. Hmm. How long would but see, I don't want to test the Lord, so uh, I'm not going to call. I'll let them bring oil, but it's just something that crossed my mind. We're talking about oil here, and, you know, I've ordered fuel oil for delivery this week, and, uh, you know, it'll be seven, $800 of fuel oil probably, and could I trust God for that? Now, is this the – anyway, friends, I don't want to get – what what is it you're called to trust God with? I believe God wants me to get my oil tank filled. That's just what I need to do. Um and not see if the oil keep burning all, all up through uh, you know April or May or something like that. Uh, need to be smart. Need to be wise. Yet there is this sense in which there are times we are called to trust God, and uh, 
Would you trust God with me? Can I trust God with you for what your needs are? And some of you I know have some, some of you are amply and very well supplied and others, life is a struggle. And, uh, uh, and then there are those of us who are in between the two. Uh, So we pray for one another um, and we support one another. And the beauty of what was in the local church during those days you go back to the book of Acts 2, 4, 5, read those read those chapters and see the love that was there and how they took care of each other. Just an absolutely beautiful thing. Now, what else? Uh, Walter mentioning in the comments uh, over there in the peanut gallery, saying they did that at LBC in the early days, praying for coal for the furnace and... Uh, you know, I'm not going to pray for coal for the furnace at uh, New England Bible College because we don't have a coal furnace. Coal will not help us a lick. Um, and, you know, we're in a spot where we do have the resources to, to pay for oil for ourselves at school. And, uh, but yes, and there are beautiful stories of faith like George Mueller, if you're familiar with George Mueller. And uh, George Mueller's story, beautiful, beautiful stories uh, about how God provided for them in the orphanage uh, over there uh, and how they were trusting God. Now, what are some other passages? There may be a, another passage or two, like First Peter uh, chapter 4. Let me take us over to First Peter chapter 4. And we can take a look at what else would be a part of the reading tonight. First Peter 4 and verse 11. If anyone speaks, he should do it as one speaking the very words of God. If anyone serves, he should do it with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. Uh, to him be glory and power forever. And ever. And the focus of that verse that God would be glorified. Uh, and, and that whatever we do, whether it's speaking, I speak as though they're the very words of God. If it's serving, do it with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised. We want to bring God honor and glory. That is the goal. To, to honor and glorify him uh, in those ways. So there would be prayers that would be said to conclude, and I will not look at those yet. Uh, what else? What else do uh, do the Jewish people do on Hanukkah, they eat lots of food. They have the readings and the prayers that they say every night that should keep them spiritually grounded and should keep us spiritually grounded. They make lot keys. What are lot keys? Lot keys are like potato pancakes. They make all kinds of fried dough and fried foods that they eat. Uh, all kinds of things uh, for, for the entire time. Uh, they 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 uh, often will um, play the dreidel, and we'll talk for just a second here about what 
what is the dreidel. Uh, let me get over into my notes where I can where I can look a little bit at at what is the dreidel. And my notes are over here, so I need to switch over to this screen here. I already mentioned some of the things that they do. Uh, and I mentioned the dreidel. Let, let me talk about a few other things. One, I mean, they like the, the, the harakia. We talked about that. Two, they recite the blessings. Uh, three, they give Hanukkah gelt. What is gelt? You ever see those little uh, foil-covered coins, chocolate coins? Uh, that's the gelt. And so they they will give that as gifts and pass out gelt to people. Uh, uh, it's a tasty currency that is given as a gift. And then, then, then what they'll do is they'll take it and they'll play the dreidel. And the dreidel is a tiny spinning top uh, with Hebrew letters on four sides. Uh, originally, some some say it was originally a German gambling game. Others create, there's all kinds, no one really knows actually, honestly, the history of the dreidel. Uh, but often what they'll do is they will, they'll, they'll spin the dreidel and, and the different letters mean different things. And, uh, uh, and I will talk about those in just a moment. Uh, and the person who wins gets, gets the, the cachet of, of the gelt of the chocolate or the coins or whatever it might be that they're playing with. Um, now there there are letters on four sides. They're all Hebrew letters. Uh, lots of different rabbis have tried to find the connection between the dreidel and the Hanukkah story. Some have created uh, explanations. A standard explanation is that the letters Nun, Gimel, Hey, and Shin, which appear on the dreidel uh, in the uh, diaspora, which is the the the, the the, the Jews being spread all over the world, some would call it the diaspora. That's what it looks like in phonics, diaspora. Uh, diaspora, the scattering of the people through all the different uh, uh, onslaughts, all the way from the Babylonians up through the Romans and then the Germans and so on. Um, but they stand for Nes, Godel, Heya, Sham. A great miracle happened there. Now, if you're in Israel, you would say Nun, Gamel, Hey, and Pei, which means a great miracle happened here. And, and so those letters, those four letters, the Nun, the Gamel, the Hey, and the Shin, uh, are, are to reference the idea of a great, uh, a great thing happening, a great miracle happening there. Now, there was a 19th century rabbi that maintained the Jews played with the dreidel in order to fool the Greeks. Remember, the Greeks were there in uh, B.C. 170-ish, and, uh, you know, they couldn't study the Torah. They couldn't circumcise their boys. They, they couldn't, there are lots of things they couldn't do. They couldn't repeat the Shema. Uh, all that had been outlawed. They were to become Hellenized in their practices. Uh, and, and so some uh, used the dreidel to tell stories. Now, some figured out the elaborate uh, uh, gemetriot 
what what that is is a numerological explanation based on the fact that every Hebrew letter has a numerical equivalent. Uh, and and word plays for the letters Nun, Gamal, He, and Shin. For example, Nun, Gamal, He, and Shin in the Gematria equals 358, which is also the numerical equivalent of the Messiah or Messiah and Mashiach. And um, some would say that. Now, I have, I have listened to, I have heard some very, very interesting teaching on, um, on the, the numbers and the number 358. Uh, Rabbi Sable is one, Jason Sable. Um, he has some very interesting things about the numbers and what they add up to. And it's very, very fascinating if, in fact, Hebrew letters have numeric equivalencies. It, it's, it's fascinating how some of the words line up to tell a story. The same with the dreidel. The dreidel is to tell a story to us, and it's to tell us the story of the miracle that happened, and then there are different equivalencies given to. So you add up the, the um, as you spin the, the dreidel, the, the person with the highest number, because the letter has an equivalency, uh, is the one who wins the cachet of whatever the prize is. So th- that is the dreidel, and they'll spin those tops, Fried foods, we've talked about the fried foods, uh, you know, some of them, like, like we talked about, the, the potato lot keys. The other one is jelly donuts. Uh, uh, main feature of the festivities and nod to the miracle being celebrated. Uh, and and there, there are all kinds of Hanukkah recipes that you can get. They give gifts. Historically, gelt was the gift given at Hanukkah, either in the form of real coins or the chocolate ones. Uh, and yet that said, uh, the tradition evolved, particularly among American Jews, in response to the lavish consumerism of the competing Christian holiday Christmas. Uh, as such, some families have chosen to include nightly gift exchanges in their Hanukkah celebrations, while others uh, compromise and give cash to stay more in keeping with the authentic uh, holiday tradition. So that is another thing that they do. Uh, listening to Hanukkah music. And, uh, you know, it'd be interesting for you. And, and I can't play it on, on the broadcast here because of copyright infringements and whatnot, but to look up uh, Hanukkah music and to just Google Hanukkah music and you could listen to Hanukkah music uh, in your home. And uh, it would be fun and festive. In fact, maybe I'll find some and wake my wife up with uh, playing loud Hanukkah music this morning. No, I won't do that because Proverbs says it is counted a curse to the neighbor who uh, loudly greets their neighbor in the morning or to the friend who gladly, or loudly greets their neighbor in the morning. So I would better be smart and not be doing that, don't you think? Well, let me, let me share with you the prayer. It would be a part of the day on this sixth night of Hanukkah. Jehovah Jireh, my provider. Thank you for all that you have given. You are giving Hashem. You meet our needs and lavish us with your love. You sent your son, Yeshua, to make the way for us to come into your holy presence, forgiven and declared righteous. We thank you. May we never take for granted all that you've done. May the gospel always be fresh and good news to us each and every day. In the name of 
Yeshua, the Messiah, we thank you. Amen. Well, friends, we're going to make that a wrap for today. We'll get you into your day on this sixth day of Hanukkah. May you have a great day. We will see you tomorrow.